Hi there, welcome to the Causeway Coast Vineyard podcast. We are a church who are passionate about seeing the transformation of individuals and institutions in our city through the generations to see all things new in our community. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning and welcome. What a day. As you can see, I am dressed for the sun. It was a horrible idea to wear all black. We were just sitting out the side before the service began, and I was just sweating it out. So, hello, good morning. If you don't know me, my name is Joel. I'm part of the team here at Cosmic Coast Vineyard, and it is such a gift. It is such a privilege to be with you this morning as we continue on our returning series that we've been in over the last number of weeks. We've been returning a lot over the last couple of weeks, haven't we? We can now sit inside in cafes. We can now sit inside to eat food. We don't have to practice faith by booking an outside table anymore, which is really exciting. And we can have people in our homes again, which is really exciting. So actually, my wife, Shannon, who's at the back, um, we got married during lockdown, and this is the first time we've been able to have people in our homes. So it is been especially exciting. Yes, <laughs> you're all invited. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so yeah, that's been absolutely amazing. But yeah, as I said, if you haven't been with us over the last number of weeks, we're in the middle of a returning series where we're exploring what it looks like to be a people who return to what matters most in this season. We don't want to just return to the things that we've done before just because we did them before. We want to learn what it is we're returning to, what is the fullness of what God has for us, what is the fullness of what he has desired and intended for us in this season. So we're returning to what matters most. And I'm going to dive straight in this morning because we're going to be looking at one of my favorites, returning to the heart of worship. We're excited for that. Well, I'm excited for that this morning. It's, it's okay. Um, yes. Now, if worship is something that is absolutely brand new to you this morning, do not worry. We're going to try and uncover what worship is all about together. Whether you absolutely love that time of worship that was led by Jess and Leah, or maybe if you're really honest, it was really strange. It was kind of like mass karaoke that you just weren't ready for this morning. My heart is that we would uncover what returning to the heart of worship is all about. And so I'm excited for that. So before we jump in this morning, why don't we pray? So Jesus, we give you our attention. We give you our affection this morning, God. In the midst of the chaos of the week, we just choose right now in this moment to set you as first. God, the place that you've always been designed to be, the place where the fullness of life and the fullness of joy is experienced, when you are placed first. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you this morning to come and reset what needs to be reset into the areas, God, that we have held, maybe close that aren't actually of your design or of your intention. So, Holy Spirit, would you come into the depths of our hearts this morning as we attempt to discover, as we attempt to uncover some more of your heart for worship? the part that matters most. Amen. Amen. I should probably qualify this morning that if we're following Jesus in the room, we are literally going to be spending all of eternity discovering what the heart of worship is all about. That's because our God is so vast, so expansive, so infinite in nature that it will literally be our eternal joy to discover what the heart of worship is. 
So my goal this morning isn't that we leave satisfied with our understanding of the heart as worship. I suppose my heart is that actually we might leave dissatisfied and that we would leave with a hunger, an appetite, a longing for the more that God has said is available, the more of what God has said is intended for his heart in worship. The goal is to leave dissatisfied, so it's okay. Yes, so we've been in the middle of this returning journey, as I said, over the last number of weeks, where we've been exploring this passage or this story out of the Old Testament, which is just the first big chunk of part of the Bible. And we've been following this journey that the children of Israel went on, God's children, God's chosen people. We've been reading through the books of Ezra and Nehemiah and some of the surrounding books, and we found out that God's people had been removed from the land of freedom. They had been removed from the land that God had intended for them, and they were taken into this place of lockdown, was known as exile, and that lasted for 70 years. And they couldn't worship in the way they knew how. They couldn't live in the way they had experienced before because they were under restriction and they were in isolation. Kind of like what we've experienced over the last year, but also not like anything we've experienced over the last year because they were in the context of exile, which was oppression. They were being oppressed by the Babylonians and they weren't allowed to sing the songs of freedom that they were once able to sing. They weren't allowed to live in a lifestyle of freedom that God had intended for them. Whereas over the last year, we may not have experienced oppression, but we have experienced restriction, haven't we? And so there's this amazing part of the Bible in the book of Psalms, and a part of the book of Psalms, we get a glimpse into what that lockdown experience was like for the children of Israel. I'd love us to read it really quickly this morning. Psalm 137, verses one to four says this. It says, by the rivers of Babylon, and this is the children of Israel, the people who are in lockdown, and this is their experience. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and we wept as we remembered Zion. That was just in Jerusalem. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs, our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of those songs of Zion. And I want you to feel the emotion in this next question. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? In this moment we see the agony We feel the frustration of the children of Israel in this land of exile, in this land of lockdown where they're unable to worship in the way they knew how. They're unable to practice worship in the way they had always known. But then what we have been exploring over the last number of weeks is that God stepped into that lockdown. God stepped into that exile and he invited them again to once again move towards the land of freedom and the land of promise. And what I find absolutely fascinating is that the first thing the children of Israel do when they step into the land of freedom is they worship. The first thing that they do before they establish business, before they establish church, before they establish schools, before they establish even homes to live in, is they establish an altar upon which they would lay their offerings before the Lord in worship. The very first thing the children chose to do with their freedom was worship. The first thing they chose to do with their freedom was worship. Worship was given such a place of worth such a place of value 
that the very first thing they would do with their freedom was worship. So they returned to the heart of worship. But what on earth does that mean? (laughs) Maybe like me, you're asking the question, that sounds fantastic, they returned to the heart of worship, but what even is worship? Maybe that's where we are this morning. We're asking that question, what is worship? Is it what Jess and Leah led us into this morning? Is it this? Is it when we gather together at 11.30 on a Sunday morning, either on site or online? Is it when Christians hang out in coffee shops? What on earth is worship? Or is it something way more expansive, way more valuable? I think those things are worship. But in the Bible, we're given this picture of the expansive nature of what worship was always intended to be. And so if you have a Bible this morning, why don't you open at the very first page? (laughs) Genesis 1, we're gonna look at that for just a second. We're gonna look at the very beginning of the story where God gives us the blueprint for what worship was to be all about. We'll take the, the verses off the screen for just a moment. And in the very beginning, we see that God creates humanity in this perfect connection with himself. They they walk in a garden, and there's unbroken intimacy, there's unbroken friendship, there's unbroken connection as they walk in freedom with their creator in a perfect relationship. And if you've never read this part of the story before, you'll probably be surprised to find out that we don't read about church services happening, We don't read about worship nights being hosted. We don't read about worship songs being sung. We just read about a man and a woman walking about doing everyday ordinary things in awareness of the God who created them. And so we're gonna read Genesis 1, 27 through 28. It says this, so God created mankind in the image of God he created them. So God created mankind in his own image, sorry, in the image of God he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Sound kind of like zookeepers, don't they? And what we see is in his own image, God created mankind. God created humanity, us to carry his image, to bear his image, to reflect his nature upon the earth. Here we see that God is the foundation and the beginning of it all. He is the ground upon which we find our identity and the ground upon which we find our design. We cannot live apart from God as our very existence was to be a reflection of his nature upon the earth. Think about a mirror for a moment. You know, or, or I should probably, it depends what part of Northern Ireland you're from, a mirror, or where I'm from, it's definitely a mirror. So think of a mirror this morning, um, and it does a really good job at reflecting, doesn't it? Yeah, like its, its whole job is to reflect whatever is in front of it. I find mirrors fascinating. This is, you can see how boring my brain actually is. I find mirrors fascinating because the, the substance of a mirror, or the form of a mirror is absolutely dependent on that which is in front of it, yeah? Like the image of a mirror is completely dependent on whatever is in front of it. It reflects, that's its job. So if you place, uh, I don't know, a guitar in front of a mirror, 
What's reflected? A guitar. If you place an apple in front of a mirror, an apple's reflected. A chair in front of a mirror, a chair is reflected. If you place jewel in front of a mirror, beauty is reflected. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and so a mirror, is, its substance, its image, its form is directly determined by that which is in front of it. It reflects. That's its job. And I find that a really helpful image to describe what God had intended humanity to be upon the earth. They were intended to be before him, in front of him, so that they could reflect his nature and reflect his character upon the earth into the ordinary, everyday things, into family, into work, into friendship, into rest, into the very ordinary, boring, exciting things that we all get to be a part of. That's what God designed us to be from the very beginning, is that we would be a reflection of him upon the earth. And what we see in that garden, what we see at the very beginning, is that reflection was their worship. Worship was their lifestyle. It wasn't an event. It wasn't a song. It wasn't an evening. It wasn't a morning. It wasn't a live stream. It was a lifestyle. They lived in this awareness of the God that was before them and their entire lives reflected who he was. And reflection was their worship. Now, I wish I could tell you that I have grasped this all of my life and I've walked in the fullness of what it means to be a mirror, <laughs> a mirror that demonstrates and reflects the beauty and the wonder of God into every moment of my every day, but that just wouldn't be true. And just as we've been discovering over the last couple of weeks is that we've been in a series called Returning, yeah? In order to return, we must have deviated in order to return. And there's been times, there's been moments, there's been seasons in my life where I have deviated from the heart of worship. And God so graciously and so kindly and so magnificently invites us back to return to the heart of worship. And I would love to tell you a story this morning, not that long ago, where I didn't realize I had slightly deviated from God's intention and design in the context of worship, and that's why we actually have a food parcel on stage. You're probably wondering why is there toilet roll on the floor. And so last year, I had the absolute privilege in the, at the beginning of the COVID crisis of being redeployed into the Hope Center. And I had the absolute gift of working, I, I see so many faces in this room this morning, some of the kindest, most generous, most compassionate, most sacrificial individuals I've ever met in all of my life. I know many of whom are in the room this morning, many who are online, and many who are just across the North Coast in general, who sacrificed time, sacrificed a lot at the beginning of that season in order to just serve in the middle of all that was going on. And so I had the privilege of being a part of that at the, the beginning of the lockdown. And one of my roles down in the, in the Hope Center was I was specifically in the food bank. And part of my job was to make up uh, these emergency food parcels where we would build a box. So this is this one. You, you were loving the day when these boxes came in because you didn't I see Steph. Steph was with me there. She's laughing because you used to have to make up the boxes. And the amount of times I made up a box and forgot to sellotape it and at the end left it an absolute disaster. So we used to make up these boxes where you would make up a box, you would put it on a trolley, and you would walk around the room placing all of these essentials and all of these food products into this box. If I'm really honest, that was quite an overwhelming experience at the beginning as we recognized that this represented three days of emergency food 
for an individual, for a couple, for a family who found themselves in a point of desperate need where, and that was what was required. And I know many of us in the room and, and many of us joining online have um, been, have made use of the provisions at Food Bank. And can I just say this morning, we're a family who are learning what it looks like to be a people of provision. If any of us today find ourselves in, in need in any area of our lives, can I point you towards the Hope Center? They do the most incredible job at learning what this looks like. Yes, can we thank them? They do the most incredible job as we learn what it looks like to be a family of provision. As we just, we're just learning what that looks like together. So you're in a position of need this morning, whether on site or online, I would love to point you in that direction. And so in the middle, at the beginning of this crisis, I was, I was responsible for making up these food parcels and, and often we would be on our own when we were down in the, the, the shed there. I remember there was one Friday morning where I was having... Um, quite an honest conversation with God, a conversation you maybe wouldn't want shared. <laughs> Do you know one of those ones that maybe wouldn't be great live streamed? Um, I was just, honestly, I was just having this conversation with God where I was getting really overwhelmed, if I'm honest, with what we were doing and getting really overwhelmed with the implications of why people and our family and community were in a, a place of need right now where this was what we needed to do. And then the, the conversation started to shift throughout the morning and it kind of transitioned into the context of worship and I started to get kind of annoyed at God. Do you know, kind of like that Psalm 137 where they're like, God, how do we sing these songs in a foreign land? And at that stage, we had no idea when we would ever be in this room again. We had absolutely no idea of when that would be, what it would look like. And I started, if I'm really honest, I started to get really frustrated with God. Like, God, what is going on? When are we going to get to sing those songs again? When am I going to get to do what I always knew how to do? When am I going to get to be a part of that thing again? When are we going to get to worship in the way we know how? And I'll never forget what happened next. I was putting my hand into a box of toilet roll and I was opening up the box of toilet roll as, as I would do, as we would do. And I, I picked up a, you know, a, a roll of toilet roll, triple ply, good stuff. <laughs> Just kidding. And I was about to place it into the, into the box that we had made up. And I mean, as I was about to place the, the toilet roll into the box, the presence of God filled the room in a way I have never experienced before in my life. Do you know there's those moments where you, oh, it might be God. <laughs> oh, God might have been there. It wasn't one of those moments at all. It wasn't one of those moments of, or, oh, yay, God's here. It was one of those moments, oh, my goodness, God is here. I literally, and it's, oh, my goodness, with toilet roll in my hand, I literally had to push myself back from the trolley and just close my eyes in this awareness that the presence of the Creator was in the room in a way that, if I'm honest, I don't know if I've ever experienced in a, in a corporate gathering. And it was just the tangible presence of God was in the room, and I, I kinda, I stood back from the trolley because I just, I couldn't continue with what I was doing. And I, <laughs> oh my goodness, I hope there was no one on the other side of the room. But I, I literally just had to place my hands in the air with the toilet roll in my hands. 
just this awareness that God was here. And in the middle of that encounter, and all I mean by encounter is meeting. Do you know when you meet someone called I encountered? In the middle of this encounter with God, God spoke to me very clearly. And he said, Joel, this is an act of worship. And you know, honestly, all I thought was how irreverent of all things to be holding in my hand. Like, God, do you not remember the times I held the guitar? Do you not remember the times where I held those other things, the gift we were about to give, the, 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 the whatever it may be, the time we were praying, the time, whatever? And God just said, no, Joel, this is an act of worship. And in that moment, the Lord spoke to me and reminded me that worship is determined by what's in front of us. Worship is determined by who's in front of us, just like the garden. Worship was never supposed to be about the position of our feet or the location of our feet. It was always supposed to be, it was always supposed to be about the posture of our hearts. And whether that be with a guitar, whether that be with a food parcel in a room where there was no pastor, there was no heating, there was no sound, it all is worship when God is the one who's placed before us just like we were always designed for in the garden. So whether we're standing in this room as the band so wonderfully leads us into the presence of Jesus, or we're doing whatever we normally do on a Monday tomorrow, that same presence of God is available wherever and whenever we point our hearts towards him. Just like the beginning. We were designed to be a mirror that was set before God himself so that we might reflect his nature, that we might reflect his character into whatever room we find ourselves in. There's a, a guy in the New Testament called Paul who, who writes a bunch of letters, actually. If you've been around here, you've probably heard us refer to Paul before. He, um, he wrote a book called Romans to a people group in Rome, <laughs> funny enough. And uh, he was just writing to a group of people who were learning to follow Jesus, just like we're trying to do in this room, whether we've made that decision to say yes to Jesus or not. They were on this journey of learning what it looked like to be a people who followed Jesus. And so I often find reading those books really helpful because I'm learning, trying to follow Jesus, learning what that looks like in my everyday life. But Paul actually has something quite clear in this realm of returning to the heart of worship in his book of Romans. There's this beautiful part. We, we don't actually have it on the screen this morning, but there's this beautiful part at the end of Romans 11. If you have time today, I would love you to go and, and have a read at that. There's about five five or six verses towards the end of Romans 11, where Paul's just in the middle of writing a letter and he just breaks out into spontaneous worship. He just starts to, to praise the abundance of God. He starts to praise the, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, the magnitude of God, and then he kind of draws to an end of that moment of spontaneous worship and he concludes with this statement that we're gonna read right now. He says, therefore, and as Janet so wonderfully taught us not that long ago, if there's a therefore, we have to find out what it's there for. <laughs> and the therefore is worship. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and pro proper worship. Let's read that again. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of 
of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Notice what Paul describes as true and proper worship. It's just like the garden. It's just like the beginning in view of God, in view of his mercy, in view of his nature, in view of his character, in view of his likeness, respond by laying everything down before him. The response, the worship is determined by what is in view. What he is saying is that when we see God for who he is, our lives can do nothing but respond by laying everything down before him. This is exactly where worship finds its definition. Worship is when we see God for who he is and respond in the only appropriate way by laying everything down again before him. Worship must, must be born out of seeing God for who he is. It cannot, it must not have any other foundation other than God himself. If there is another foundation, may God give us the strength to tear down whatever has been built upon it. Because the foundation was always supposed to be God himself and nothing else. Our view of God determines our worship just like the myrrh. We can only reflect what we view. Heartbreakingly, much of what we see labeled as worship today in the global church isn't worship at all. It's entertainment. I'm not here to point a finger. I'm not pointing, as I said, I have deviated from what God's desire and intention is for worship in my own story. But I think it's important that we acknowledge that we see that we invite the presence of God to invite us to return again to the heart of worship. And we acknowledge that much of what is labeled as worship isn't necessarily worship at all, it's entertainment. And entertainment and worship are not the same thing. And here's kind of a really quick indicator of whether or not something is entertainment or worship. Entertainment all revolves around me, or us, or you, or self, whatever language is helpful. Entertainment begins with me, it moves with me, it ends with me. It says after church on a Sunday, you know, they didn't play my song this morning. I don't know if I got much out of that today. That wasn't my favorite time. See, entertainment revolves around me. On the other end, it says, this is where I'm really good, this is where I'm really gifted, so this is what I can offer in order to impress the room. Worship is on the other end of the scale entirely. Worship's not about self at all. Worship is all about God. Worship gazes Godward just like Paul invited us to do in view of God, in view of his mercy. And it says this is who he is. It's an awareness of the awesomeness, of the holiness, of the gloriousness, of the magnitude of who God is. And it responds by laying everything down, not just the good, but also the bad and the ugly. 
For from him, for for him and through him are all things. To God be the glory forever and ever and ever. Ah, man, entertainment draws attention to self. Worship draws attention to God. Entertainment orientates around my preferences and my personality. Worship orientates around God and his presence. Worship finds its foundation and its fuel in God. Nothing else. Not songs, not personality, not preference. God. And nothing else. If you're able this morning, I would love to invite you to stand. In fact, <clears throat> I would just I would love to invite you to get in whatever position is going to help you practice what we've been hearing this morning, this idea that God must be first. If this is something that's absolutely brand new to you, I, I, I would just encourage you maybe even to close your eyes. It helps me from getting distracted. Um, and maybe even just placing your hands out in front of you. And the only reason we do that is just to kind of say with our bodies what our hearts are longing to do, and that's be open. Maybe this morning you feel it's appropriate just to get on your knees. Maybe it's appropriate if you have space to just get on your face as a way of just demonstrating before God, no one else, that God, this has to be all about you. This has to be where our foundation is. This has to be what we are moving through. That has to be who we are moving towards. God, it must be all about you and nothing else. So just right now, I just encourage you to maybe just move your heart towards him. And all that is is just beginning to fix our attention, beginning to fix our affection, beginning to fix our devotion upon him again. We've literally spent quite a bit of time this morning talking about how worship is so much more than singing. It's about all of life. But I find that singing does something inside of my soul that enables me to practice this thing that God has always designed us for, that he would be first. And so I would love to lead part of a song this morning song called Nothing Else. And the premise of it is that nothing else matters. <laughs> and so Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now to come. We invite you right now to come, God. The areas where other things have mattered in place of you, God. The area where other things have taken the rightful places first in our hearts, in our lives, in our worship. And we say we are sorry, God.
I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough. So take me back to where we started. And I open up my heart to you. Caught up in I just want to sit here at your feet, caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave, and I just want you, and nothing else. Nothing else, nothing else will do. And I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. Oh God, we just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else, nothing else will do. We just want you. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. Yes, God. God, we confess this morning that nothing else will do. That nothing else will do. That God, where anything other than you has been the foundation, where anything other than you has been the fuel, where anything other than you has taken the place of first, we confess it right now, God. Where personality, where preference, where desire, where whatever it may be, God, we lay it all down again at your feet as we see you for who you are, that in view of your mercy, in view of your kindness, in view of your goodness, in view of your holiness, God, we might respond by laying everything down. So I 
just encourage you just to remain in that posture. I think there's a number of us in the room this morning who've just been understandably, significantly wrestling with disappointment. I don't know specifically in what area it is. I don't know in what context it's for, but I just, just as we were in that moment, I felt the Lord just, the Lord just say that he is your prize. That he is your prize. Where, where we haven't seen what we thought we would see, where we haven't experienced what we thought we would experience, God is giving us himself. And so God, right now, into every circumstance of disappointment, you're not a God who points fingers. You're a God who invites us into your embrace. And so this morning, God, I just speak your, your, your nearness right now over my brothers and sisters, God, where disappointment has been experienced. I think particularly, there was something about seven years ago, there was a, there was a life experience that took place um, I don't know if that was relationally. I, I'm, I, honestly, I'm just not sure. I, just, I felt the Lord just say seven years ago there was an experience and disappointment has been your story ever since. And right now, I just believe the Lord is just breaking that off. This is a moment where you receive him. <laughs> the God of the universe, the one who is infinite, the one who is so worthy beyond comprehension. Thank you, Jesus. I encourage you guys, just remain in that posture. I'm gonna invite Janet and Becky to come and close. Let's just remain in that um, just as we come in to finish this morning. Thank you for joining us for our podcast today. For more information, resources, and opportunities, you can check us out at cosmicoastvineyard.com.